As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football League show. Long range goals, the theme of the weekend. Long way back for Derby as they head into administration. Long time coming for Forrest as they finally get a win. And long term management at Posh as Fergie reaches another milestone. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Hello, listener. Hope you're well. Matt Davis Adams here again with you. I'm joined this week by Robin Cowan. Hi, Matt. Uh, Adrian Clark's here too. Hello, Matt. And Sam Parkin. Hi, Sam. Good afternoon, Matt. All right, let's not waste any time today and get straight to the championship. You're listening to the Totally Football League show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Championship headlines, there's plenty of them. Derby in disarray off the pitch, beat Stoke on it. Forest win a game. Steve Cooper in, probably, for a while at least. Uh, Bournemouth the top billing after Big Phil's winner. They were the only side to win in the top 11 at the start of the day. Uh, Reading upset Fulham. It's three away wins on the bounce for Bristol City, slash successive defeats for QPR. And two Birmingham supporters have been arrested after allegedly racially abusing Peterborough's Nathan Thompson, while Swansea reported an instance of racial abuse towards Reese Williams from a Luton supporter, FFS. Uh, we got to start, though, with the big story of the weekend. On Friday, it was announced that Derby County are entering administration. Like a lot of people, Wayne Rooney found out via Sky Sports News. Not ideal. In a statement, the club put a lot of the blame onto COVID, though they were already facing charges relating to issues with their accounts dating back to 2016. Uh, Robin, 12-point deduction is the mandatory for, for going into administration. Might be even more than that, though. It's a big old mess. It's a big problem for Derby. And uh, also, I see the Wickham chairman, Rob Kuig, talking to The Athletic today, saying that it's not ideal for his club either because he thinks it will cost them up to £20 million, this decision not having been made last season. Yeah, ouch. It's... um. I think, was it last week, speculating that it might just be the nine? I mean, that's bad enough, but now it's the 12. I mean, it's it, yeah, you said it, it's a complete mess. And I just feel for all the fans and, and the players and the staff, I mean, mainly those who will inevitably lose jobs. It's it's such a terrible thing um, just because of club mismanagement. Um, 
I mean, on the pitch, it was really impressive, wasn't it, for Derby? You know, a really, really good win against Stoke. So I just wonder if that siege mentality might see them... I don't know. It's it's a big ask, but um, almost no pressure, is there? Got nothing to lose. They'll have to go for it. Um, but mainly thoughts with, with those who, who are out of work because of this. Clarky, I thought it was incredibly disingenuous of Mel Morris to to blame it all on COVID and, and other circumstances when basically it's his mismanagement which has put the club in this position. Yeah, it's it's been coming, hasn't it, for for a while. They've made a lot of um, bad decisions, a lot of costly decisions in terms of manager payoffs, huge transfer fees for, for players that weren't very good. It it's yeah, like I say. The mismanagement off the pitch, obviously we're not privy to the details, but the club don't own their own stadium anymore. You know, that's happened under under Mel Morris's leadership. Um, that's just one thing. Obviously, there, there have been issues around around player wages, about accountancy. Um, yeah, I just I feel that a lot of big, big mistakes have been made. And I just, I think the fans would have preferred him to take a bit more ownership. Of course, COVID has had a devastating impact on the club as it has every other club but but it the difference here is that derby hadn't been managed properly for a long time and and i think it all comes back again to the efl and having a proper structure in place that just monitors what what clubs are doing and maybe limits the power of owners that basically make decisions themselves with, with you know, there's no one else to really challenge them and if and if those owners are making bad decisions and I'm sure he tried to make the right calls but if if these individuals wealthy individuals make really bad calls it can have devastating impacts on clubs and 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 their staff and that I think is what's happened at Derby Sam, I think Wayne Rooney's come out of it quite well over the last couple of days. It mentioned that he said he'd, he'd heard on Sky rather than from anybody at the club. He's, according to reports, <laughs> covering the, the costs of Derby's away travel himself. Would have been really easy for him just to chuck his toys out of the pram or just walk away. Yeah, I think we spoke a lot in the summer about why Wayne Rooney feels the need to continue in this job, given you know what he did as a player and the opportunities that surely will come about in in the future, if he'd have, you know, maybe taken a less high profile gig, you know, a, a coaching role within the academy at one of his former clubs, Manchester United probably would have suited him for a couple of years, kind of Steven Gerrard route. But he's gone all in, hasn't he? And yeah, I think I think uh, you know he's covering himself, and uh, not in glory, but uh, he's conducting himself really well. And um, yeah, he, he galvanised the players clearly on the on the pitch um, to to produce a good performance. And yeah, it's going to have to be siege mentality, togetherness. But I just think the psychological damage after eight games to take those points off the the team and the and the players who have got nothing to do with this will probably be too much to overcome. Think about you know my time administration at Luton and subsequent points penalties. The first year, I felt that. Um, a lot of the players had different agendas. Um, looking at the squad now, there's probably a few experienced players, the likes of Tom Lawrence, Nathan Byrne, Shinny, which would probably command decent transfers. Um, will their heads be turned? And then the younger players, who I'm sure will have plenty of interest. But the other side of it is, would Lewis Sibley or Buchanan or Bird, do they want to move on right now? Or are they quite happy being at you know their club that they've come through at, getting their first taste of football? That could 
prove problematic for them as well moving forward. So everyone's got their own situations, but I think from a football point of view, you know, 21 points, if it's likely to be that amount, will just be too much to overcome this season. Yeah, I think that the dignified way that Rooney has conducted himself won't have been lost on other owners and other chairmen around the country. I think they'd have been really impressed with how he's handled a really, really difficult situation up until this point. So I think his stock might might come out of this relatively high. The danger is, of course, you stay and the players lose lose heart and morale and, and things fall off a cliff and then that that impacts on your your stats, your your win ratio, etc. as a manager. So he's got to be careful, really. But I've been really, really impressed with the way he's, he's handled himself throughout just a nightmare scenario. More updates on Derby probably by Thursday's pod. Uh, plenty of tumult across the East Midlands just now. Like Derby, Forest were able to actually celebrate a win this weekend, though. The Reds' first victory this season came at Huddersfield under what's expected to be the one-time stewardship of Stephen Reid with Steve Cooper either close to being appointed or by the time you listen to this actually having been appointed or because it's Forrest, the whole thing having collapsed and us having appointed Tony Pulis instead. Um, Robin, assuming that doesn't happen, (laughs) do you think Steve Cooper's going to be a good fit? I don't know. I don't know if anyone's a good fit. (laughs) I mean... I don't know why you'd take that job. Well, I know why, you know, but it's a job and, you know, it's a great job. It's a great club. But, I mean, who who knows at this point? I mean, I just think something else, I mean, it's, been, it's not an original thought, is it? But something else has to change. They can get the best manager in the world. And Steve Cooper is, is very good. He, he's, his record speaks for itself. But I can't see it going, like, gloriously much better with him going in there. It'd be great if it does for him and for Nottingham Forest, but ultimately it's not an awful lot has changed. Chris Hewton's gone, he's gone in, and it's again not his team. So what does that mean, Matt? Another round of transfers? I was feeling pretty positive about that. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to completely take that away from me. Um, Sam, I was kind of feeling positive because I think Steve Cooper's got this reputation of being good with young players. The, really, the only good thing that Forrest have got and have had for the last 10 years is the academy and Gary Brazil, who runs that, and all the players who've come off that particular conveyor belt. He also presumably will be quite familiar to Dane Murphy, who's the CEO now, having moved from Barnsley in the summer. But as Robin alludes to there, if you're not left alone to do your job, you're always going to be working with one hand tied behind your back. Yeah, that, that's the most important thing. You're looking at it this year, just about consolidation now, aren't you? And then having a summer to put your stamp on it, to, to rebuild, to get rid of some of the dead wood and to mould the squad, I suppose, you'll have the opportunity in January if Steve Cooper is to, to be the man to do that. I wasn't, I've not been overly enthused with watching Steve Cooper's Swansea side, to be f- quite frank. I've seen them, you know, a number of occasions and there'll be some people probably from outside Swansea that will say he overachieved hugely by getting them into the playoffs. But, you know, having been there on multiple occasions, I didn't think it was the best fare that he was, they were serving up. And, uh, I think it's a bit easy and a bit simplistic to say he's worked with England and they've got some young players at Nottingham Forest. I'm whoopie do, you know, and that's not to completely pull scorn on this chap because I'm sure, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Matt. Um, I'm sure Steve Cooper... Matt's just walking into the city now. <laughs> I'm sure Steve Cooper will probably go on and have a really successful coaching management career. 
Really pleased for my mate Stephen Reid, obviously got a huge fondness for him. Go back to our 16, 17 years of age. He won't have done himself any harm in, in what he did at the weekend. Obviously making some really bold tactical changes, brought the goalkeeper back. Um, they attacked, played on the front foot, I think, at, at times. And I'm not sure Reedy will get the gig or or be, you know, around with, with Steve Cooper, but he de- definitely deserves an opportunity. When I see, you know, people like Scott Parker getting handed great roles in the in the championship. Stephen Reed's had a brilliant career. He's seven or eight years into a coaching career at the highest level. Brilliant guy. Everyone likes him. Worked for some top managers already, like Roy Hodgson, Steve Clark, who Chris Hewton, who all put their trust in him. So if this isn't to be his opportunity, I hope it comes soon. Are you on a fee? Are you on some kind of some kind of commission here? So, uh, I'm just a loyal like friend, Clarky. Oh, I love it. No, I love it. No, and, and you and you you're, you're talking. A lot of sense because I think I recognise all those qualities in, in Stephen Reid as well. Um, so yeah, no, he made some big, big calls, didn't he, at the weekend? And he is a miracle worker because he got Forrest to score two goals. Not very often that happens. Simod Cup final, nineteen eighty seven. Eighty nine, it was. Yeah, Gary Parker. <laughs> uh, they were good days. Yeah, Steve Cooper's style maybe not that easy on the eye, but if you've had a year of watching Chris Hughes' style, I think it might look like nineteen seventies Brazil uh, for the first couple of games, at least. Uh, anyway, let's move on from that unpleasantness to the shock of the weekend. Uh, on the pitch, it came on the banks of the Thames, where Fulham were beaten for the second Saturday in a row as Reading snuck out of the cottage with the points. Uh, some lovely curlers in the champ this weekend. Ovi Ajaria's <laughs> open there, definitely coming in into that category. Get to Reading shortly, Clarkie, but what's going on with Fulham? Because it's feast or famine over the last couple of weeks for them. We, we thought that Blackpool was a blip after they battered Birmingham, and then mm. this. Yeah, it's a strange one. I think the Blackpool one, you can put it down to Marco Silva. Marco Silva's inexperience in the championship, coming off the international break not rotating the players that have been away, etc. This time around, less excuses, but they were beaten by two really good goals, weren't they? I mean, that Ajaria first one was an absolute beaut. The second one, not the best defending, you've got to say, but it's still a very tidy finish. And again, the, the numbers are so strong in the game. 25 shots to eight, expected goals over three. Reading only had 1.2, so... It's, they're unlucky. There was a brilliant save from from the Reading keeper towards the end. I, yeah, I don't see any kind of crisis really as far as Fulham are concerned. Every now and again, they're going to lack a bit of inspiration, lack that that finishing touch, and maybe concede a goal or two, and and then they will will be beaten. But but I don't see this as being a pattern. Fulham, Fulham are an excellent team. But it's quite good, Robin, to see them not just steamrolling their way through the division because it's pretty depressing when relegated teams just do that. And, and given the start they'd made, it looked as though that might be the case. Might still be, I guess. Possibly, yeah. I, I think I agree with with Adrian. It's just, uh, I feel it's just a blip for for Fulham. You know, it's a really, it's so many games this season. They're not going to win every single one, but I think they might <laughs> might come close, to be honest. You know, they're absolutely... <laughs> peppering teams they, they just yeah. look a class above so unfortunately Matt I think while it's good to see you know teams pull off these these shocks it is um, I think it's going to be more often than not the likes of Fulham and, and West Brom probably will be up there um, Ajaria just love watching him 
He's he's just so silky, isn't he? Um, just glides <laughs> glides across the turf, and I don't think it's any coincidence that his return has coincided with a upturn in form for Reading. So I'm beaten in three, and they seem to be scoring loads of goals. Still need to keep the back door shut a bit more, but but um, I think if they if he stays fit, then they should be should be all right. Uh, on Reading, Sam. Not bad, as Robin says, unbeaten in three. I don't wish to uh, to be mean, but are they mid-table fodder this season? And actually, that's okay, isn't it, given that they're under this embargo, which means they can't pay fees for players. They've got big problems uh, off the pitch in terms of their turnover, etc. So for, for Poundovich to just kind of get a steady second season wouldn't be the worst thing in the world? Yeah, quite, quite possibly. I don't see them having enough defensive stability I suppose uh, more and Morrison don't look like the, the force that they were last season understandably maybe given the uh, the age of the, the the pair of them um and Holmes came off in this game and Laurent went went centre half and by all accounts was majestic I mean most clearances and interceptions and such like so maybe Laurent has played his, himself into a centre half role moving forward and it meant a bit of a reshuffle. And again, we've spoken about it so often. I mean, Ajaria now, Halilovic and Swift. Hoylet played as a, a bit of a false nine at the weekend. If you could get Jao into that position with any of the aforementioned three, call that some strike force. Really exciting. Such technical ability amongst all of them, you know, uh, underlined by those goals that Ajaria got. So a lot to like about them. And, and uh, drink water on as well, Matt for uh, his debut and did really well by by all accounts. So, yeah, loads to like about him going forward. I just don't think they'd probably have enough stability to to, to get into that playoff picture this year. Yeah, and on that stability, there's, here's a stat. Um, in open play, they've faced the most shots by far in the Championship, 94, which I think is, a you know, in open play, if you're conceding that many shots in such a, you know, short space of time, it, it tells you that there are issues to solve. And... and <laughs> And on the flip side, Fulham have had 21 more shots than anyone else in open play so far this season, which kind of, it means that this was a freak result. Over the course of the season, if those stats continue, Fulham are going to to score an absolute hatful and Reading are going to continue to ship loads, even if those front guys who are excellent, as Sam says, bail them out on occasion. One thing that the Reading manager did say I picked up on was... um... There was a connection between the Lions on the field and Lions in the stands, which I think is negligent of Fulham to allow that to happen at Craven Um Speaking of animals, we all know that swans can break people's arms. Uh, they can also break hatters' hearts. Uh, bear with me, listener. I'm, I'm clumsily segueing towards some chat on Luton Town 3, Swansea City 3. Luton 3 up inside 25 minutes. Russell Martin used a half-time break either to rationally explain where his side were going wrong or to terrify them into putting it right. Uh, and in fairness to his boys, slash once, they went and did that. Top scorer Joel Pirro eventually turning in the equaliser in stoppage time. Uh, Sam, an obvious statement, but I'll make it anyway. This is a real blow for, for Luton, isn't it? Now means that they haven't won in five. They'd scored injury time equalisers in their last two, but a taste of their own medicine here. Yeah, and, and a bit of a problem considering they, they shipped five at home to, to Birmingham um, not so long ago as well. So, yeah, I, I just felt all the goals seemed to be similar. The three goals from, from Swansea, um, maybe if you're being picky, Nathan Jones should have reacted a bit quicker. Easy to 
to say it now because when you go to 3-1 and even 3-2 you think you can find something to get over the line so I just felt he had Glenn Ray I think on the bench who came on late he would be an obvious one to go into that area and just shore up the middle of the pitch to stop those attempts flying in um and the goalkeeper, our mate from last season. <laughs> the first one, I believe, got a double deflection, so I'm not going to go after him here. But the second one's an outstanding strike, deflected again. The third one, I mean, it's absolutely telegraphed, I think, from Piro where it's going to go. It's got a bit of disguise on the strike, but it's not in the top corner. It's not got enough pace to beat him at that side, I don't think. He should push it beyond the post. And I thought, I saw the reaction of some of the Luton players and... I'm sure they felt that he should have saved it. So it's definitely it's definitely two points thrown away. Um, who's culpable? I don't know. I think you naturally get deeper and deeper. You obviously want a little bit of help from your manager, but you also want your your centre-halves and your goalkeeper to, to, to bail you out with saves and blocks towards the end, and they didn't get any of that. Clarkie, you must have been thrilled. Your vocal campaign against uh, Simon Sluger finally, <laughs> finally paying off here. It would seem. Oh, you're going back away there. I mean, blimey. Um, he, yeah, he was terrible when he first joined, and me and Sam, I think, were united in our in our sort of not rating him. But no, he's been he's been fine since then. They were all three goals were deflected, so I think that that is a point that's, that probably should be made. I was really impressed with the character of Swansea to come back. Um, the first goal was trademark Russell Martin, wasn't it? Came started at the keeper, played moved the ball upfield beautifully. Second goal, Olivier and Cham. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but um, it was a heck of a goal. And he, of course, was the player that that forced AVB to quit at Marseille. Uh, he was the one that was signed um, without him knowing about it, and he ended up quitting. So he's. He's not had an easy career. He's been. He didn't quite make it at City. He went to Celtic, and now he, now he's there. So that was a good moment for him. And I think he was the star man in that second half. Uh, and and Charles Perrault, look, yeah, the finish might have been telegraphed, but again, not for the first time this season, he's executed a strike re- really expertly. I think so. So I think they've got themselves a decent decent player there. I mean, we can't we can't talk about this match ignoring Henry Lansbury, can we? I mean, come on. <laughs> I felt that might have been a red card. On I, I think there was the reddest of bright red, wasn't it? It was <laughs> honestly. I don't know what Sam thinks, like it's sort of player code, but he definitely could have stopped himself there. He's just he's just volleyed the player. I actually found it remarkable that one of his teammates immediately tried to have a pop at Ryan Manning. For, for getting in his way. It was, it was, and he even complained about getting a yellow Lansbury, shaking his head, almost like threatening the referee. I just thought, wow, what, what sort of hotspur he had there. Yeah, he's got that in him, Henry Lansbury. I like Ryan Manning's tweet afterwards, uh, footage <laughs> yeah. of the incident. He's quoted it saying, anyone find a shin floating about Luton, let me know, uh, which is nice. Um, Robin, what, what are we making of Russell Martin? I feel like there would have been a lot of dissatisfied Swansea supporters flooding social media had they not got the equaliser because they'd drawn their previous two nil-nil. They've only won one league game all season. So this is actually a big result for him. It is, it is. Although, just picking up on a few of the things Clarkie was saying about, you know, the deflections, it's not really sustainable, is it, this this Swansea? You know, that was a great comeback, but an unlikely one. Nine times out of ten, 
as, as Sam said, you may score one or two, but you're not going to get a third. I think Cornick for Luton also hit the post, so it could have been they could have been really out of sight then. So that takes them up to seven goals in eight games, Swansea. It's still not really enough. Russell Martin, I do believe, if they're looking for the long term, he's the right person to take them forward and to get them back to what Swansea fans want to see. But it's going to take some time. And I think it's going to be probably a bit of a slog this season, I'd expect. One last championship game to have a quick look at. Darren Ferguson took charge of Peterborough for a record 492nd time on Saturday. That's a lot of Fergie time. He enjoyed it too, not that you'd know it from his face, uh, but a 3-0 win against (laughs) Birmingham would have had the dour Scott dancing an internal jig, presumably. Uh, Not for the first time, Sam. Siriki Dembele, man of the match here. He's uh, he's making the adjustment to the championship look quite easy. Yeah, he he was really good. Um, There was a host of very good individual performances. I think George Grant struggled since he's gone in. He looked a lot more comfortable with... His position just off the front, Norburn and, and Taylor, Taylor in particular, who's who's been missing key to that, anchoring the the midfield. Um, but I think sometimes, you know, timing of goals are are everything. And th- I mean, this was a disaster for Birmingham to go behind so early, to concede a penalty against the side, by the way, have had the average the least shots, the worst expected goals. I mean, bit of a coupon buster. But again, the the nature of the goals, um, the, an own goal and a, and a penalty kick, a red card for for Birmingham. It was a disaster for them. But on the positive for for Peterborough, a lot more cohesive. You know, spoken about the four players and and Ronnie Edwards alongside Nathan Thompson in the um, in the defensive unit, outstanding. And Thompson was missing last time out during that um, drubbing at Sheffield United. So he came back into good effect and the young man, Edwards, alongside him, kept two of the uh, most aggressive uh, aerially strikers in the division very quiet in Dini and Jukovic. So well done him. And I'll be surprised if I see those two in tandem too often because I don't imagine that's how Lebo you envisaged going when uh, he brought Troy Dini to the club. But on Peterborough, Robin, and, and their defence specifically, I feel like we talk a lot with, with Peterborough about scoring goals and their forward players because they've got some really exciting ones. But actually, it might be at the other end that plays a big part in in determining their fate this season. And, and they, of course, like Forrest and Hull and a few others, will be looking at the Derby news and thinking, well, this gives us an extra chance of, of staying in the division. Oh, definitely, yeah. And I think it gives them a big leg up, doesn't it? It is it, interesting how team's approach sort of staying in the division. I didn't really expect anything else from Peterborough because you've got to work to your strengths and that is their strengths attacking players. But do wonder if, yeah, if their downfall might be just conceding too many goals and not focusing on that area quite enough. But if I was a Peterborough fan, I think, you know, you're going to be one of the favourites to go straight back down. So you might as well, as I say, play to your strengths, get Dembele, get Johnson, Clark, Harris, get the the attacking players on the ball. Just thought they looked much more on it than Birmingham um, against in that game. And I noticed that Lee Bowyer was saying that he feels the result was because of a lack of rest, that they had an extra day. And so they played on a Wednesday, I believe. And I was just surprised by those comments because that happens quite a lot, doesn't it, in the championship? It's not, it's not news, is it? So um, I think he's, they've got a blank week now and they've got Preston North End at home next week. So that's, he's put on quite a lot of pressure now on, um, on his side. Or maybe they'll have too much rest. Who knows? We'll <laughs> come up with. <laughs> What's happened to them in the last couple of games, Adrian? Seven goals mm. conceded in that time. 
Uh, Troy Deeney barely had a kick uh, in the minutes that he's played so far. They look they look not, you know, promotion contenders maybe, but a steady championship team a couple of weeks ago. They did, yeah. I, I wouldn't write them off completely. It's been a really bad week, although I think the Fulham game was more even than the score suggested. I think they had their moments in that one, Birmingham. Yeah, it could it could have been a draw on another day. Uh, this this was comprehensive. This was this was excellent from Peterborough. Good, fast attacking football. Played some football as well, and Birmingham didn't really. And yeah, I think Sam's bang on about Jukovic and Deeney. I mean, you're not going to stretch anyone, are you? Playing that 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 front too. It's pretty telegraphed in terms of what your approach is going to be, and and that I think limited their approach, especially when they were chasing the game and. And yeah, he changed it at half time. He went to four two three one. Jukovic came off. Yeah, for me, you need Hogan in the attack um, or, or an EK as, as the case was here, just to mix it up with a mixture of styles. Um, yeah, too predictable. Just a bad, bad day, I think, for Bowie and and for the Blues. And obviously, they weren't helped by Gardner's lunge. That was that was a not the best tackle. Uh, Righty ho, let's build a, a League Cup hacker, shall we, with the help of Paddy Power. Producer Abby's back from holiday. She's going to help us out with this. Um, Robin, you can kick us off. Let's have your selection, please. I was really nervous about this, having heard Flo last time. You know, <laughs> she was really going in two-footed, wasn't she, about... Yeah, yeah, just just chuck some shade our way, that's all we can do. You know, her, you she know went her, in Lansbury, her selection... She went in Lansbury style. You know her selection <laughs> lost like 5-0 or something though, right, yeah. Robin? You're all right, you're on safe ground. Okay. Um, I've, I think I've gone for fairly safe ground here. There probably will be a lot of changes, but I'm going for both teams to score Fulham against Leeds. Ah, oh, it's too it's safe. Good. You disgrace. <laughs> is my calf gonna be? Is my my shin gonna be everywhere from flow? <laughs> all across Luton. Yeah, all the internet. <laughs> um, I'm gone for a both teams to score as well. So chuck that in now. I'm saying both teams to score. Manchester City versus Wickham. Ooh. I just think it's it's in the stars that Adebayo Akinfen was going to get one at the Etihad. Um, controversial. Lots of head shaking on the Zoom. Abby, uh, help us out. Give us some odds on those, please. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that choice from Robin's just poor. You know, it's coming in at six to ten. All right, I mean, all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Very good choice. As for, um, as for you, Matt, uh, Man City Wickham, that is coming in at five to four. And I feel like it's worth just saying that Man City are one to 20 to beat Wickham. <laughs> oh, crikey. Uh, yeah, they're probably about that to win the whole competition, aren't they? Because they usually do. Uh, right, thank you, Abby. We'll head for League One next. So, Mr. Bielsa, what's troubling you? Well, Doctor, my translator is constantly undermining me. Last week, I told everyone to take five and get an ice cream, but he told them to run laps and practice their shooting. Sometimes it seems they don't know what they're doing, but with Paddy Power, you always know you're getting top draw rewards. If one leg of your bet builder on a football game lets you down, get your money back as a free bet. Paddy Power! Pre-match bet builder bets only max free bet £10 per day. Excludes enhanced match odds. Min four plus legs, min odds one fifth per leg. Online exclusive T's and C's apply. 18 plus become aware.org. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show and you could read pieces from the likes of Ryan Conway, Nancy Frostick, Steve Maidley and many, many more writers. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. League One headlines. Wigan are top after they beat Accrington and Sunderland were held at Fleetwood. Ipswich finally get their first win as do Doncaster. Pompey's good start is a fading memory after their third defeat on the bounce. And Charlton are in the relegation zone and we are nervous for Nige. Let's start though with table topping Wigan Athletic. They made light work of Accrington at the Crown Ground on Saturday, winning 4-1 to move to the League One Summit. Uh, Adrian, nine unbeaten for Wigan, and yet I still feel like we haven't given them or, or Liam Richardson enough credit. Oh, they're doing great, aren't they? Uh, the, the whole, it, a lot of managers and clubs get given time when they make such wholesale changes, time for, for players to settle in. And But at, at Wigan, they've, they've just hit the ground running, developed a good team framework early on, and... They're barely giving any chances away. Yakrington's goal in this one was was a really good one, a lash into the top corner. And and every time they go forward, they look really dangerous. They're a big team. That's one thing you really notice um, with their players. And, and uh, it's no surprise that they've scored a number of, of set-piece goals. Uh, this this match was important for Charlie Wyke. That was the kind of missing link, wasn't it? That they were playing well, scoring lots, but he wasn't. He got two good ones here. In front of a huge away following, by the way, I thought that was an outstanding turnout. I know it's local local game for them at Accrington, but but they you know they had half of the stadium, Wigan, and you just get that sense that that the fans are really starting to get excited about this team. Um, they play quite direct at times. In, in this match, they had less of the ball than Accrington, but but they've got talent, and, and when you can bring on Jordan Jones, Stephen Humphreys, and Guion Edwards. That's, I mean, that is a, a real luxury for Liam Richardson. Um, yeah, for me, based on what we've seen, I mean, they're nailed on top six, but but they look a top two team to me. I'd agree. And I think actually Liam Richardson, I can't really remember a, a, a manager who's had expectations shifted from one extreme to another <laughs> yeah. over the course of two yeah. seasons. I mean, it's, it's been incredible. We're like charged with trying to keep up a, what was basically a sinking ship. And now the expectations are, well, you're going to get promoted and you might win the league. And I think he's done an incredible job. He's just shown real steel, I think, and, and calmness to to handle both expect both different expectations. And I think he he's not really talked about a lot. And we do sometimes see like, you know, a caretaker manager going in. Usually we know how that goes. And he's, he's done, he's, he's done amazingly well. And we have seen in this division, I mean, naming Ipswich, big turnover of players and still yet to really get going. So I think he, he deserves a lot of praise, Liam Richardson. Uh, Sam, I've got two questions for you as regards this game. First one, uh, how much do you enjoy this textbook footballer's tweet from Tendai Dariqua in the <laughs> aftermath? He said, we keep pushing for more muscly arm emoji, blue heart emoji, full stop. Away fans today, applause emoji, flames emoji. I think he's hit just about every key point there. Um, secondly, Clarkie mentioned Charlie White. How's he feeling on Monday morning? Uh, apart from incredibly relieved, it feels like a very, very significant moment in, in his and Wigan's season. 
Uh, the, the first question, I quite like the we keep pushing or whatever. That's relatively original. I don't mind that. The rest of it's nonsense. Um, as Clark, <laughs> as Clarky says, it's only a short little uh, journey to Accrington. And John Coleman, then he, then he lay on the three pints or whatever. He certainly lays on a marquee for the away punters. So it's a, it's a no-brainer. They're always going to be in fine fettle. Nonsense. Um, what was the second one? Charlie White. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I think... In interviews, I think they've all rallied around him collectively. And the manager certainly said so many positive things about his all-round game. And all the stuff I've read from the supporters says that he's been contributing hugely in all these victories. But of course, you want to be scoring. And I tell you what, he probably, I don't know. I remember going through goal droughts before and I don't know why, but when I was presented with a chance similar to Charlie White's at the weekend, his first one, I tried to dink it on a few occasions. And they end up getting saved. And they just thought, well, why am I doing that? And maybe it's because you're trying to show that you're still composed and you're not worrying about things too much. But I tell you what, he he took that beautifully. And it's not the type of finish I'd associate with him. And maybe we need to start giving him more credit with, you know, the ability he's got with his feet for a guy who's 6'3", six, 6'4", six, I would suggest. So second goal was beautifully taken. Probably should have played Jones in on the left-hand side. Uh, he kind of had to score when he brought it infield and found the net via the post. So yeah, two brilliant goals and a, a team that were just better than Accrington on the day in every department. So completely agree with the words of the other guys. They look the real deal. Yeah, just wanted to mention Dion Charles, actually, who is obviously one of the, the, the main strikers for Accrington Stanley. He was left out of the squad for this game. He'd been away with, with Northern Ireland, but he was left out and John Coleman did say, and I'll quote him here, Dion needs to realise it's a two-way process football. We've given him a massive lift up into his career and he has got to show commitment to the club. And at this moment in time, he is not. Um, he's out of contract at the end of the season. I, I'm, I'm led to believe that he's not signing that new contract. I just I feel really uncomfortable about it. I don't know what you guys think. I just think that every player is entitled to make their own choices on on, on whether they sign a new contract or not. It's not that unusual for players in the lower leagues to let their contracts run down. And I, I really don't, and I like John Coleman and I, he, there's loads of things you can praise him for, but it feels like, it feels like he's bullying Dion Charles into signing a new contract. I'm not totally comfortable with that. I think there was maybe a bid for him as well from a Scottish team, I think. So you don't know how he's responded to that as well, I suppose, if he had his heart set on moving during the last window and the club have turned down. I'm speculating here a little bit, but, you know, it's up to the player, I suppose, a la Harry Kane, who's not doing it particularly well at the moment, but to, <laughs> to get their head back on the uh, yeah. on on their current team and, and try and produce performances. And I'm sure he will in time, but you never know what's going on behind closed doors, I suppose. Got to get your exit strategy plan in place. And don't take <laughs> advice from Charlie Kane or Joe Biden on that, I suppose, Key pieces of information. Uh, elsewhere, late drama at Highbury where Sunderland slipped from the summit of League One after conceding an injury time equaliser to Fleetwood. Uh, Robin, the tendency is always to focus on Sunderland because they are one of the biggest, if not the biggest club in, in League One. But I felt bad the other week when we didn't give Fleetwood enough love for, for winning at, at Rotherham. And after losing their first four games in, in all competitions, they're unbeaten in five since. So we ought to praise them. Yeah, and three wins during that unbeaten run, 14 goals. I mean, it looked pretty grim, didn't it, to start the season for them. Really pleased for them and Simon Grayson in particular. I'm sure he would have enjoyed that comeback against his former club. Not only that, the club that made him look a bit, I don't know, 
bit of a patsy almost in that Netflix documentary. He looked a bit sort of uh, weak, so I, I'm sure he enjoyed that. I thought both penalties were a little bit soft. Lee Johnson clearly felt so. <laughs> well, it's tricky when you see, you know, you don't get the, the you know, the loads of replays and camera angles. You think, oh, maybe he's seen yeah. something I haven't. But yeah, yeah, a bit... Um, bit soft Callum Morton really good goal uh, sliding him through and we saw what he did for Northampton so hopefully he can continue to do that at Fleetwood um, but yeah also really enjoyed Lee Johnson confronting the referee afterwards because I'm I think I'm a similar height to him and it just looks really funny when that happens. <laughs> did you I'm with Lee Johnson here right in terms of having to go at the ref but did he take it too far by saying I'm going to look at his next six games and every time there's a corner and someone blocks someone or every time there's a half an inch or a shirt pull, he'd better give it. And yeah, he went on and on about it. So he's going to stalk this referee just to see whether he's consistent or not. And yeah, that kind of pet. Yeah, he's going to open That kind of curtains. pettiness sits I'll really well there. with me. <laughs> hey, what about going to be there. With the resources at Sunderland, I'd, I'd send a scout to do that job. Yeah. I'd just send a scout yeah. to watch the ref. Brilliant. Come back yeah. and report to me Monday morning. So one, one you don't particularly like. Is this Spygate what? Part 2? <laughs> yeah. What what mark do we think he gave him out of 10? Do you think he'd have gone for naught or, or, or 0.5? No, I think, I think he would have been more withering and he'll have said, like, I'll give you one because you turned up on time. Like that. <laughs> I'll be quite on the money um, for, for Lee Johnson. Uh, Sam, it's interesting they're playing Sunderland, they're playing Wigan in, in the Cup in midweek. I mean, I guess there'll be a, a whole bunch of, of changes, but an opportunity nonetheless to, to land some kind of psychological blow in the, the League One title race, possibly? Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, the beat them on opening day, if memory serves me right, in a, a really close game. So, And it was um, a story of the exes not really turning up, wasn't it? Max Power and, and Charlie White. So... If those two are out there, they'll have the, the fire, I'm sure, to produce a performance. Expect to be a few changes. But for you know, for Sunderland and Wigan, I'm sure they'd like to get a good Premier League draw. I'm, I can't remember Sunderland playing against a Premier League team in recent memory. So I'm sure the supporters would, would, would like that. Um, but yeah, um, I suppose we praised Sunderland a couple of weeks ago for the way that they continued playing on the front foot against Wickham. I think it was the... They won 3-1 in the end and they kind of got a bit too deep here. And, you know, at 76 minutes, I think McGeady put them 2-0 up. You expect them to see that game out. But I think, as the guy said, Bailey Wright made a couple of questionable decisions, I think, for both goals. Certainly the the penalty off the back of an amazing save from Hoffman, the goalkeeper, who's really starting to establish himself. He made an incredible stop. Um, there's been a couple of brilliant saves this weekend. The Reading keeper against Fulham late on, this one was was similar. So... You kind of are elated when the ball goes behind for the corner. You think we get ahead on this. We've seen it through. Amazing. And then for one of your defenders to have a rush of blood to the head, that's such a blow. You should never really get pegged back when you're in such a commanding position. So yeah, they need to they need to just continue playing on the front foot, Sunderland, and taking their chances. I think that's the key to what could be not a comfortable season, but a season which they'll finish, you know, by some distance in the top six, I would say. Yeah, Sunderland and Comfort don't normally go hand in hand, but certainly looking pretty good for them despite Saturday. Uh, Adrian, can we have your pick for our League Cup Hacker, please? 
Yeah, I've gone for a slightly unusual one. I always like when when you get a top team or a top flight team against an underdog. It, obviously, the, the odds are very long on on the upset, but you can get some good odds on handicaps um, if you think that they can keep it relatively close. And um, for me, Bur- so Burnley Rochdale is the game. I saw Burnley at the weekend. Nothing special at all. Pretty one dimensional. They've got a shocking record in domestic cup competitions. Burnley. They host Rochdale and Rochdale are really confident at the moment and I think they'll take the game to anyone and I think they're always worth a goal, Rochdale. So I'm backing them to to not lose by two or more. So Rochdale plus 1.5 goals is is my pick here. So so yeah, on the handicap, that would be my selection. Does that make Fascinating sense? Fascinating to see if Abby's got this uh, ready to hand because it's not one that we've ever had before. And I've just got she's got her head in the freezer, scrolling. Yeah, <laughs> you got your head in the freezer, Abby. You got this all, all pre prepared. You can oh you yeah, can tell totally. Us it straight away. Um, I can offer you Rochdale plus one or Rochdale plus two. What would you like? Oh, <laughs> what's plus two? Eight to eleven. Yeah, we'll take it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's 8 to 11, and uh, the treble is 5 to 1. All right, uh, one more bet to come in that selection, but League 2 is next slash last. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with everything Totally by following us at The Totally Show on Twitter. League Two headlines, FGR top after dismantling Sorry Stevenage. More protests at Boundary Park as Oldham draw with Hartlepool. David Worrell's half volley for Port Vale, a contender for goal of the day as Harrogate lose for the first time in the league. Swindon have been given a suspended three-point deduction over non-payment of wages in June. And Mansfield will be without James Perch for the rest of the season. The defender has suffered a fractured skull. Ouch. Uh, let's go to Prenton Park. I mean, not really. We're just going to talk about the game that happened there between uh, Tranmere and Salford <laughs> on Saturday. Uh, Tranmere agent, one of these teams that, I don't know, every time we mention them, it seems to be some kind of, oh, they're not doing as well as they should be, are they? But I note they have the best defensive record in the division. Only three goals conceded. Haven't been scoring enough, but they put that right here. Yeah, look, super solid under, under Mickey Millen. They, this was the first game where there's been more than one goal. For Tranmere fans, which is mad, really. They've been dull. That much is is obvious, but but grinding out results without really hitting hitting top form. And I think that once their forward players do strike up some some kind of chemistry and cohesion, then they're definitely a team to watch in in League Two because 
promotion teams almost always have that really solid base and, and, and they definitely got it. It was nice to see Elliot Nevitt score. It looks a big lad, dangerous in the air. Um, come th- come through from, from you know, the depths of non-league, really. He's, he's jumped up a lot of levels. So really good moment for him to, to score in this game. And yeah, I think that they're going to be difficult to beat uh, throughout this campaign. The match itself, I think, it was yeah, it was a strange one. Two, two weak red cards, in my opinion. I didn't think either player deserved to, to, to be sent off personally. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it, it probably hurt Salford more than more than Tranmere. Comfy in the end. So yeah, Tranmere on the up. Salford, a few things to think about, haven't they? Yeah, Robin, that that next series of <laughs> class of '92, whatever they call the the Salford things, is going to be an interesting one for all sorts of reasons. <laughs> might, might not have the full cast. Um, for one thing. But yeah, no away wins since April. Only two wins anywhere all season. We spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, but given their form, we know how this ends for Gary Bowyer. Yeah, it's probably more like The Apprentice, isn't it? That documentary. Um, Yeah, I mean, again, it's like another good manager and another good squad on paper for Salford, but they're just not performing. I know they had a player sent off, I think, in the 20th minute, So, but then it was evened up, so they had a whole half. And I think their XG looked up was 0.4. It's just not not really good enough for, from them. Um, so, yeah, I, I wonder how how long Gary Bowyer has left. But I think, I don't know, Gary Neville might want to save a bit of face and actually give him a, more of a run, because I think he has been criticised for chopping and changing after many times on Twitter expressing his dismay at Premier League teams sacking managers too too readily. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um but again, you know, a team with such high expectations and not delivering, not at all, especially this season. Uh Sam, you you felt that there was something in the sendings off. Maybe maybe you disagree with Adrian, maybe it's something else. Oh I don't disagree with Clarkey. Um the Salford sending off isn't even a foul. It's one of the worst <laughs> decisions I've seen this season. Toure uh attempts to make a challenge and he's about three yards away from the player who goes down theatrically. <laughs> Jay Spearings is worse, but I just wanted to comment on his tan. He he has got yeah. the the best tan in the EFL. It's incredible. Clarkey? Yeah, it, I the same thing came into my mind when when I, when I saw the highlights of this game. I just thought, whoa, what's yeah? He's either at the tanning salon or he's he's sort of doubling up in the afternoons, maybe doing a bit of building work out in the sun throughout <laughs> the summer. I don't know. It, it was a builder's tan, wasn't it? But yeah, just maybe yeah, the incredible yeah, brownage. Yeah, it's, maybe they've got a little bit of a microclimate up there. But um, yeah. <laughs> That, that, they're my two notes on the game. But I mean, I'm glad you didn't come to me on Salford because of I, I literally can't say they can't score goals at any more time <laughs> on this podcast. But I, I'm kind of getting to the point now with Salford where I'm just thinking, is this a, just a collection of players, you know, some some players that have got really good CVs, uh, have been, played at some big clubs previously and a few... I don't know, younger lads who mainly low knees and just putting them together and hoping that it comes off. Um, it doesn't seem that it's going to happen from again this year, which is probably going to, probably going to lead to another change and, and probably uh, another big overhaul of players, which um, is not what anyone wants to see really. Abby pointing out the irony of a, a team owned by United players being called a collection of individuals. 
Um, just wanted to add before we move on on that, really impressed with the experience shown by Jay Spearing in terms of his reaction to the red card. We got the full gamut of hands to the face. Oh, no. Look at the ref, put your arms out, smile sarcastically, walk off. Absolutely textbook stuff. That's a man who's played in the Premier League before. Uh, the final game upon which we shall dwell today is the 4-0 gubbing dished out by Forest Green Rovers to Stevenage. FGR, top of the pops after this win. And they've got a four-point gap between themselves and second place Orient. Oh, it's nice to see a Matt on the score sheet too here, Jamil and Matt Stevens as well. Uh, another team, Sam, who we talk a lot about the uh, the forwards of, uh, of Forest Green, but we should praise their defenders as well. Since that 2-0 home reverse to, to Port Vale, they haven't conceded a goal in the league. No, I think this is a, a pretty complete side currently, to be honest. I think there's... There seems to be a little bit of a shift in that I don't think they're playing as much possession football as they certainly did under Mark Cooper. I mean, this was a bit of an even spread against Stevenage, which I'm sure wouldn't have been this case in the, in the last couple of seasons. But yeah, defensively looking really strong. Um, I know Jordan Moore-Taylor. I've always liked Dan Sweeney. I think in defensive midfield or in central defence, excellent player. So... No, in all departments, the, the the strikers are obviously going to get the the headlines because this is a bit of a renaissance from Matty Stevens, certainly. Um, Jamil Matt, you'll never question him in League Two. He is the, the best in the business, I think, at that level, no question. And he's been really well aided by, by Stevens at the moment. So, no, a, a really good side. And they had a, I wouldn't say, they had a little bit of a wobble, but they've responded with two really good victories. You on the Forest Green fun bus, Robin? We're big fans of them on this show. Oh, definitely. And I mean, if a wobble is is one defeat so far this season in in League Two, so it's I mean, if that's a wobble, I think that they'd take that. Four different goal scorers against Stevenage. They they just look they look like a real force. What I would say is Stevenage did look very poor in this game. Um, just watching back all four goals, no one really engaging, and yeah, it looked a bit like my Sunday team after a bit of a night out, to be honest. You know, I don't think anyone was sick in a hedge beforehand, but um I think yeah, it just they just didn't look quite on it. And I think Alex Ravel was pretty disappointed with their performance. Yeah, that's it, Clark. You know wins in eight for them. It seems that you do know what you're gonna get from this bunch of rebels. <laughs> yeah, very good. Like what you did there. Look, they're not the only team that's going to be ripped apart by Forest Green this season. We've we've already seen it, you know, in their home games. Two best wing-backs maybe in the division. I think that, that Kane Wilson obviously scored in this game. I think he's got a three assists. Nicky Cadden, just fantastic down the left. Yeah, and with the two strikers in there, you know, on such good form, that's just a, that is a deadly combination. If you've got that service from the wings and two informed forwards, you're going to score a lot of goals. All, all I say about Stevenage, yeah, they've hit a few bumps in the road. They've, they've plummeted a bit in the table. I do think they've got a better squad this season. I think the talent is there. Alex Revel in this game changed it. He changed the formation. They've been a back four the whole season. He went for a 3-4-2-1. And yeah, it looked like the first time they'd ever played in a 3-4-2-1. And and that might be sort of a mitigating circumstance there. It'll be interesting to see whether he's brave enough to go with that again or whether it's a one-off one-off experiment um but yeah this is what happens isn't it when you when you when you're on a little bit of a run you can a manager can just not yeah panic a little bit and say right we can't do a back four anymore let's let's try something else and 
and, and the grass isn't always greener. So yeah, I'll be interested to see what formation they line up in next week. We shall see with that. Uh, Sam, can you round off our Aka for us, please? Yeah, I'm going. I'm a little bit disappointed. I'm going for this because of uh, Matt and Robin have done the same. Both teams to score, please. QPR, who I think I haven't got it in front of me, have scored in 18 consecutive games. I think against um, Everton, who had a rare day without a goal yesterday. But I'm sure they'll um, they'll have plenty of attacking intent. So goals galore because QPR brilliant going forward and have forgotten how to defend again. Hmm. Abby, can you price that up for us, please? I can. Uh, that is six to ten. So matching the Fulham to Leeds both teams score. That is coming through at nine to one as our ACA this week. So you know, feeling confident about that. Uh, I did think, as this is the EFL Cup, I'd look up uh, on the outrights which EFL team is is most likely to win, and it's uh, Fulham way back at sixty six to one. So uh, <laughs> go for Man City. <laughs> it's the obvious bet. Uh, for those odds and more, go to paddypower.com. Odds are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. And now, before we go, legendary former Spurs, Chelsea and England striker Jimmy Greaves passed away this weekend. He made the transition from player to pundit when he became half of the iconic Saint and Greavesy show, uh, which I'm sure all of us on the pod used to enjoy, apart from Abby, who's far too young. Uh, it got me wondering which current EFL player could do similarly and make a name for themselves in the world of light-hearted broadcasting. Football or otherwise, you can pair them up with someone if you like. Sam, I feel like this is right slap bang in your wheelhouse. What have you got for us? Um, <laughs> not, not really, Matt. I, I, I love Saint and Greavesy. Um, no, it's got to be Barry Fry, hasn't it? And Barry Fry is going to be uh, presenting Take Me Out. Okay. <laughs> isn't he? Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, no further expansion necessary. On, on that, on that uh, back in the early days when podcasts were sort of like an embryo in the world of sort of uh, broadcasting, when they were just about coming out, our good friend um, on, on this podcast, Ian McIntosh, I was part of the process of putting together a, a, a pilot podcast. Older listeners will remember a bit of Fry and Laurie uh, in terms of Stephen Ryan, Hugh Laurie. We did a podcast a bit of Fry and Ollie. Barry Fry and oh, Ian Holloway. <laughs> and it was magnificent. It was absolutely magnificent. But yeah, couldn't 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 strike a deal. And uh, so that one sort of never never ended up materialising. But um, Barry yeah, Fry couldn't strike a deal. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was Macca that couldn't strike a deal. I don't know. But yeah, we were we were feeding off scraps. But um yeah, so yeah, we nearly got that. Right, while you're there, Adrian, you give us yours then. Yeah, look, I've gone for a different take because I don't know who's funny. I don't know the characters of all, all of these plays. I always think a television show, you need, especially if it's a Saint and Greaves, it's a double act. I think it's about the name. So I've, I've paired a couple of, uh, or three three sort of combinations. I've got husband and wife, James husband and, and Charlie wife. <laughs> I've got, I've got, <laughs> I've got, O'Hare and Styles, uh, the two Callums, of course, and and I like this one. He's retired now, Craig Short, uh, Craig Short and Billy Sharp, Short and Sharp. I just think I just think that was <laughs> that's something I would watch. So there you go. 
So you go from the name and work from there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Robin, what, how did you approach this one? Well, I mean, Akin Fenwa has TV presenter written all over him, hasn't he? I mean, he's going to be the next Jimmy Bullard, probably. Um, but also, if James Richardson of this parish wanted to hang up his world's strongest man boots could see him presenting that you know it'd be the perfect person maybe you could bench press a you know a few of the the crowd or something also just thinking about other shows the SAS who dares wins you know that show where people just get bullied and sworn at for our viewing pleasure <laughs> um could be a few candidates for that could be um well I was thinking Ishmael and Appleton you know they they both look like they could you know, Appleton they could dish it out. It, they yeah. could dish it out, yeah. I had Appleton and uh, Mickey Mellon yeah. presenting my MasterChef fruit and veg um, final. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't go with it. <laughs> uh, all right. I, I can't believe that, that nobody's gone for this one. I'm calling it Colin and Yemo. It's uh, Neil Warnock and John Yems. The programme's called Modern Football is Rubbish. The pair just swap old war stories and, <laughs> and carvery hacks. Uh, <laughs> Troy Deeney's homecomings. Troy visits people whose return to their old home didn't go how they hoped with hilarious consequences. Uh, rocking Charlton owner, owner Thomas Sandgard's Addicts Idol. Uh, he auditions new first team coaches based on their ability to pitch their candidacy in song. Uh, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> But nobody will ever get near Saint and Greasy. I think we can agree on that. Uh, right, that'll do it for this week. We'll be back on Thursday. Until then, many thanks to Adrian, to Robin, to Sam, and to Abby for knocking it all together. We'll catch up with you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an athletic media company production. The Athletic.